Father, uh, we do look forward tonight to what you're gonna teach us. And God, thank you again for just the time where we can lift up our hearts, we can worship you, we can enjoy you, Lord. And now I pray that as we open your word, that, Lord, it would, it would just penetrate our hearts. Sink in, God, that it wouldn't be just reading words or just reading about some doctrine or reading a study, but God, it would, it would penetrate deep and draw us close to you. I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for raising up men to record this stuff and, and put it down for us and then protecting the scriptures all these years. And so we look forward to what we're gonna learn tonight. We look forward to hearing from you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as Peter's been talking to us, and it's interesting, he's kind of in that mode of, of the fact of we need to obviously walk with the Lord, but we need to understand his will for us and walk in that. And now tonight, listen, he kind of just continues that, but he gets into some things I think can be convicting to us. At least to me, I studied it this week, and I get convicted over and over and over as I'm studying it, and then as I'm teaching it, you guys get it once, but listen, as I read this, here's what I think. Here's a guy who years ago for him denied Jesus. He knows what that felt like. He knows what, he knows what the failure feels like and how that affected his relationship. And Peter's heart is none of us would walk through that, that we would understand the dynamic of this relationship we have with him. And I believe, listen, I believe a lot of us claim a relationship with him, but we, do we really have a relationship? Remember, a, a relationship is hanging out with somebody, getting to know them, spending time with them, and interacting with them. So that's Peter's heart. And listen, here's what he knows. He knows we're gonna go through trouble. He knows life is gonna get hard. Sometimes it gets really hard. And it's hard to maintain that and Peter's gonna say, doesn't matter what happens in life, Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Trust him, trust him. So look at as he starts here in, in verse seven. In verse seven, the New King James starts with the word but, so he's been talking again about the fact that we need to hang out with Jesus, we need to be there, we need to understand him, we need to not walk in the world but walk with him, and then he says but, the end of all things are at hand. And some translations might even have now. So here's what Peter's saying. The end of all things is at hand. I find it fascinating that so many people are wondering what he meant by the end of all things are at hand. I'm thinking it's not that hard. You know what, I thank the Lord that I'm just a simple guy. And I can read the scripture and I go, what's he talking about? He's talking about the end of all things is at hand. Things are wrapping up. And here's what I know. If the end was at hand for Peter, it's handier for us, I guess is a, a term, right? If it was close for Peter, it's a whole lot closer now, right? 2,000 years later, we're close and the end is near. Now listen, I don't think we need to be that person that carries around you know, the, the sign, the end is near and, and droning on that but the end is near. And that should affect how we live. It should affect the things we do, the decisions we make, the things we look at. And once again, the apostles and the writers of the New Testament seem to think that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. They kind of write that over and over. 
shouldn't we live like he's coming back in our lifetime? And I think that's how, and that's what Peter, so Peter's saying, listen, he's saying the end, listen again, the end of all things, it's, it's, like, it's like Peter can almost, almost feel it, right? It's at hand, it's right there. And, you know, now, listen, we know Jesus didn't come back in his lifetime. Is he gonna come back in our lifetime? Depends on how old we are. But listen, I think he's gonna come back in our lifetime. I think it's gonna happen. I don't think, listen, I don't think we should set dates. I don't think we should be those kind of people. But we should live as though Jesus could come back. That's one reason why I believe strongly in the pre-trib rapture. It's the only position where Jesus can come back at any moment. Nothing else needs to be fulfilled. He can show up. And I believe he's going to. I believe, you know, he's just gonna boom and it's gonna happen. So Peter's, listen, he's saying the end is at hand, so listen what he says, but the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Your translations might say sober. Be sober and watchful in your prayers. Again, sober is not the idea of, of being sober from alcohol or drugs. It's, it's more like what the New King James, be serious. So if the end is near, what is Peter saying the conclusion in our life should be? The conclusion in our life should be, we should be drawing closer to him. And we should be people that we're spending time with him, that we're talking to him. Prayer is merely talking with God. And again, I think sometimes as believers, we make it all this formal thing, and we get all involved in these things. You know what, my favorite prayer in the Bible is, Lord, help. <laughs> now, do you get the idea again? Here's a guy who wasn't sober and watchful in prayer. Remember when they were in the garden? And Jesus said, hey guys, can you watch and pray? And I'm gonna go over there and pray. And what did they do? <laughs> Fell asleep, right? You think, you think Peter learned something from that? Here he's telling you and I, we need to be people, we need to be watchful and sober. We need to be diligent. We need to be people that, we take prayer serious. It's a gift that God has given us. Amen. We get to talk to the one who created everything, the one who made everything. And Peter says, take advantage of that. Be those kind of people. And I say it all the time, right now is the only time we can, we can do that by faith. Do you know once he comes, we're gonna see him face to face? Amen. I think once he comes and we're with him, I don't think prayer's gonna be that big a deal in the sense of now we pray by faith because we're gonna get to just talk to him, right? And he's gonna be right there. So here's what Peter's saying. We need to be people, because the end is near, we need to be diligent. We need to be people who are diligent and, and people who are watchful in our prayers. One person said it this way. Do you make time in your life for prayer? I think a lot of us would say yes. And sometimes our, our time is not real fruitful, right? Because some of us, we, we want to pray early in the morning, so we get up early and we start praying and then pretty soon we're snoozing. Do you ever pray and kind of wake up in the middle of your prayer and kind of you're all embarrassed? You guys do that? No. Your pastor does. And you're kind of like, oh, done. Somebody said this. Why don't you make time in your life to go to bed earlier 
so you can get up earlier. I've read testimonies of people who like, I think it was, I think it was John Wesley was invited to sit with the king or something and he said, I'm sorry, because dinner was late, dinner was gonna be at eight, and he goes, I'm sorry, I have a very important meeting in the morning that I can't miss. Hmm, huh. So Peter's saying, let's do that. So let's be people, number one, we understand the end is near. And because the end is near, we're gonna be a little bit more diligent, a little bit more serious in our time with him, and we're gonna be more serious about taking time with him. And then, listen, then Peter says this, and, so he's still telling us what to do because the end is near, and above all things. You might underline that. So here's what he's saying. Because the end is near, we need to be watchful and sober in prayer, and above everything else, beyond everything else, the greatest priority, listen to what he's saying, the greatest priority in our lives because the end is near, are you, are you picking up on that? He says, have fervent love for one another. Oh, man, you and I, listen, above everything else, we gotta be loving one another. I think that's a message for the church today. I think we need to be a little bit more loving. I think we need to be more loving with each other more concerned about one another, more caring for one another, watching one another. But I think that also needs to kind of spill over into this world we're walking in. We need to not be known for being spiteful and hateful. Not be known, it always bothers me, and, and I remember Chuck Smith always saying, let people know what you're for, not what you're against. Makes sense, right? So here's what Peter's saying. Above everything else, when you, think about, when you think about the fact that Jesus is coming back, above everything else, man, let's love one another. Doesn't that sound good? Now listen, it's not just, it's not just that romantic, emotional love. This is that love that loves in spite of. So listen to what he says. Above all else, put on love. He says, he says have, oh, not just love, fervent love for one another. Why? For love covers a multitude of sins. What does he mean by that? I think sometimes we misinterpret it. I don't think he's telling us that we need to love one another and ignore sins or compromise. But when you fervently love somebody, you're going to be more forgiving and you're gonna be more caring about that person and their reputation than you are anything else. So when he's talking about covering, he's not talking about we need to ignore, we need to pretend sins aren't there, we need to just, quote, whitewash them. He's saying that we need to be people that we're covering them. We're caring about one another. We're not going around, hey, you know what so-and-so did? Here's what so-and-so did. Oh, or how about my favorite one? You call somebody, you need to pray. Listen, love covers sin. If we really love one another, if we really care about one another, number one, we're never gonna rejoice in somebody else's sin. We're gonna be brokenhearted about it. And number two, we're gonna be caring enough about them that we're gonna wanna walk them through the stages of forgiveness and get them taken care of and get them healed. That's what we're gonna do. And so listen, man, 
when, as the end approaches, as things get tougher and tougher and tougher for Christians, as the world begins to like come down on us and mash us, who are we gonna have but one another? And if we have one another, we're gonna be caring about one another, we're gonna be taking care of one another, and we're surely not gonna be a group of people who are talking about one another and what's going on in other people's lives. We're gonna be making sure that those people, hey, if I really love people, I'm gonna guard what I know about them, and if somebody comes up and says something to me, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be real pleasant if they're gossiping. I'm gonna say, you need to knock it off, you need to stop it, and let's not talk about that, right? We're gonna take care of that. So Peter's idea here of love, listen, his idea of the end of things is that we're praying people, we have this fervent love. I kinda like that, an on-fire love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin. So we're gonna walk that way. That's, how the, that's what the church in the last days should look like. How we doing? You're gonna look around at each other right? How are we doing? How are you feeling about things? Now listen, I, I think people here are pretty loving and pretty caring. And I think we're pretty careful as, as I interact. And again, I think I said it last weekend, at least to Saturday night, I might, if you didn't, if you came to the other service, maybe not. But I find that for me, people don't talk to me about other people. And that's kind of nice. Now, you might talk to each other about other people. That's on you. But generally, people don't come up and say, Pastor Pat, did you hear about so-and-so? Unless it's maybe an accident or something, but I'm talking about gossip. I generally don't get it. So I don't think we're a gossiping church, but you can tell me. No, don't tell me on the way out. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You, you know because you're the church. And are we really caring and loving about one another? I see it from a different perspective. I think we are. Now, Listen, if we're not, don't come and tell me, change. Change. So Peter's saying this in the last days, and then, and then he brings up this thing that we've looked at a lot in John, and we keep looking in the letters of John, the epistles, and then listen, and in verse nine, be hospitable with one another without grumbling. So here's what he's saying. We need to, hey, we need to, we need to be people who, we have that idea of hospitality, he didn't say be hostile to one another. <laughs> be hospitable. Caring about one another. Making sure. You know, and, and I do think, I think we live in a different age and a different culture. I get in their age and their culture, ends were a bad thing and you kind of took people in. You take them in your homes. And sometimes when you're traveling, that can be a good thing. But sometimes when you're traveling, it can be a really bad thing. I know as I travel and and. I'll go share at other churches or do the pottery or do some different things. I prefer, listen, I prefer going to a hotel than staying with people. Not that I don't like people, but man, sometimes when you stay with people, they want to stay up and talk all night and they want to visit and you don't get, listen, you don't get much rest and you feel rude to go, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> or you feel rude going to their house, I don't even want to talk to you, where's the bedroom? So when you have a hotel, you kind of, so I, listen, I think, I think we kind of live in a different culture, a different time, and some of the greatest hospitality can be if when we have guest speakers come here, I always want to get them a nice hotel so they can be comfortable, they can relax, and they can do those things. So again, that's not being not hospitable. It's a different way of showing hospitality. But we need to be, we also need to be understanding of one another, like Sunday, 
going and sharing at someone's baptism, being part of that. I think that's being hospitable. We have somebody opening up their home to do it, but for all of us to come and share together, listen, man, we have an opportunity to share life together. And it's, listen, it's not just about food, although food's there, but it's about being together. And first and foremost, encouraging those who are being baptized, but also getting to know each other, hanging out with each other, talking to one another, being involved. I think that's what hospitality, listen, it's not just, oh, if a stranger comes, make sure you talk to them. And some of us might be good at talking to strangers who come, and we never talk to each other. (laughs) Talk to each other. Get to know each other. Be part of that. So Peter's into that. Now, he keeps going, because remember, all of this has to do with what? The end is near, right? He says, the end of all things is at hand, so... I'm going to be a little bit more fervent in my prayer, paying a little bit more attention to prayer. I'm going to be somebody that I'm going to be a little bit more fervent in loving others and caring about them. And I'm also going to be a little bit more fervent about showing some hospitality, interacting with people, talking with people. You know, some of the greatest things we can do is just asking somebody questions about their life and who they are and what's going on. And then he says this, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, here's what he's letting us know. First and foremost, I want us to understand everyone in the body of Christ has received a gift. Do you know what your gift is? All of us have received a gift. All of us are part of this thing we call the body of Christ. For a list of the gifts, you can look at, uh, I think that's the wrong scripture, that's Hebrews 13. Let's go here. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. They list the gifts, and you can look at those, and especially Romans chapter 12. You can list, now listen, that isn't just, you know, all there is, but it's a good start to look at. And then you need to discern from God what, are, what is the gift that you've given me? Because right here he says, as each one has received a gift. What does that say? Everybody got one. It's not like on Christmas morning and you go, oh, there's nothing under the tree for me. <laughs> God gave you a gift. God gave you a gift, why? Because you're supposed to be part of this thing called the body of Christ. And you're supposed to be interacting and you're supposed to be involved and you're supposed to be, listen, participating. Do you know that Christianity is not just sitting and listening? We're in this together. We're the church. And each one, everyone, has received a gift. Don't go around saying, well, God skipped me. No, you have a gift. And again, I don't think he made it that difficult. Some people go, well, I can't figure mine out. Yeah, that's the God we serve. He hides it from you. <laughs> no, come on. Just stop and think about it. And, you know, I think one of the best ways to find out a gift is to love one another fervently and show some hospitality. By that, here's what I'm saying. If you start hanging out with people, you may not see something, but somebody else can see something. I remember as a newer believer and getting involved, one of the things that I found out in my life personally that God gave me a hunger for his word. I just had that hunger and thirst for the word of God. 
and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to read it, I wanted to study, and I wanted to do things. And then I remember after a while, some of the people that I'm hanging out with said, wow, you really study the word. Do you think you might have the gift of teaching? And I remember the pastor we had asked me to teach like an adult Sunday school. And he says, because I think you really have the gift of teaching. Now at that time, and I like to tell this in a pottery presentation, I do this. I tried to teach people pottery. No, I had no success. Nobody, all the people I tried to teach my wife, she didn't learn. I tried to teach my mother-in-law. Some people go, that's not good. It was good. We had a good relationship. <laughs> Even after, tried to teach her. I just, I tried to teach different people. I even taught at a little, a little college, a, a little uh, a fine arts university in San Antonio when I was there in the army. And I was teaching them. I was going and helping the guy teach. And he asked me to stop. So I'm thinking, listen, I'm thinking I'm not a very good teacher, right? That's what I'm thinking. And then I get saved, and people say, I think you have the gift of teaching. In my mind, here's what I thought. You have the gift of joking. <laughs> but isn't it amazing how God builds us? And listen, I know my gift is teaching, and some of you go, well, duh, I had to discover it just like everybody else. Listen to people, listen to your heart, spend some time praying and seeking him and God will show you and God will define that for you. And so here's what he's letting us know. All of us, all of us have been given a gift, right? All of us have received a gift and he says, as each one has received a gift, listen carefully, minister it to one another as good stewards. Oh, oh, my gift isn't just so I can go around telling people I have this gift. It's not something I put on the shelf and go check out what I have. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to minister, serve one another, right? The word minister means serve. I'm supposed to take that gift and I'm supposed to serve others with it. I find out what it is and I serve others and I make use of that gift in other people's lives. That's what he's talking about. And I love this whole idea. Listen, he says, he says, minister to one another as good stewards. Now, we don't use that word a lot in our generation, but a steward in their generation, listen, a steward is somebody you were giving responsibilities of something that you didn't own, right? You were supposed to take care of that thing and use it. The owner gave you that responsibility to take care of their possession, whatever it was. It might be money, might be their animals, might be their crop, whatever it is. You're a steward of that. You're taking care of it for them. So you need to understand, yeah, you have a gift, but it's really not yours. You're a steward of it. It doesn't belong to you. You don't go around, you don't go around boasting about it. You don't go around talking about it. You serve others with that gift as a good steward, and then he says this, listen, as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. In other words, God's grace goes out so many different ways, and then again, in giftedness, it goes out different ways, right? One of us have one gift, one of us have another gift. Or how about this? Some of us have the same gift, but it's used differently. 
because God has put us in different places in different positions. Or how about this? Some of us have the same gift in the same position, but it still comes out different. Why? Because we're not cookie cutter in a mold believers, right? God makes us all different. I always use this illustration. Robert Furl and I are close friends. At least I think so. You can ask him. Yesterday we were close friends. <laughs> listen, listen, Robert Furl and I, we're close friends. He has a gift of teaching and I have a gift of teaching. But our styles are different. And we're not the same. And that's a good thing. And listen, God uses both of us. It's not that he has, listen, it's not that I need to do things his way or he needs to do things my way. We both are serving God and serving God's people, how God put us together as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, understanding that God's grace is so diverse and so different. You know, we live in a culture now where diversity is a big deal. Listen, this culture did not invent diversity. God did, the manifold grace of God. Do you understand? God's grace is so diverse in everybody's life, and he works in all of us differently. Hallelujah, huh? I mean, I'm glad that we're not like cookie cutters. I'm glad we all don't have to fit in a certain mold and act a certain way and be a certain way. But within all of that diversity is unity. And what is our unity around? Jesus Christ and him crucified. So here's the deal. You have been given a gift. What are you doing with it? Don't tell me. Talk to God. It's not my, listen, it's not my responsibility to, to make sure. It's my responsibility to make sure I do what God has called me to do. And, you know, I, I, I'm gonna use my gift till my breath is gone. That's my intent. And we should be that kind of people. So again, serve one another in diversity, but understand something. What you're doing, you're doing for him, not for you. It's not so you get glory, it's so that he, and it will get there in a minute. So, so he lays that out, and then I love, I love. So first, first Corinthians has a list, it's quite a list of gifts. Romans has a list. It's quite a list of gifts. And then I love, then the other list is here. Some people include Ephesians. I think Ephesians are gifts God's given to the church in a different way because it's offices and people serving. I think gifts given to individuals, 1 Corinthians, Romans, both of them, chapter 12, and then 1 Peter chapter four. Now listen, they all have a long list. I love how Peter does it. Peter's a no-nonsense guy, right? Verse 11 if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone serves let him, or ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. Oh, here's Peter's list. Speaking and serving. And he breaks all of the gifts down to two categories. And he's right, right? Some of us, some of us are speakers. And listen, speakers doesn't just mean that you're up teaching. You have different ways that God is gonna use you in speaking. And so some people have a speaking gift, a gift that way. Other people are administrative or you know, serving in that way and, or you know, just, maybe, just maybe helping out, doing those things. So he devises them into two different categories. One, I like to say it this way. One are mouthpieces for God 
And the others, listen, the others are hands for God and feet for God. And that's why he put the body together. So here's a, here's a good start for you. Find out, are you a mouthpiece or hands and feet? Just get down to that. Once you get down to that, then you can go to those others, right? So we're dividing it up again. But look what Peter says. Listen, if you're a mouthpiece, here's what he says. If anyone speaks, that's the speaking gift, let him speak as the oracles of God. If God is gonna use you as a mouthpiece, you need to be somebody who you are going to make sure that you represent God well with your mouth. The things you say are from him and for him and for his glory. You need to do that. You need to be careful. You need to be choice. And again, I think it depends, again, how, how intense that gets. For me, I believe as a gift of teaching, I need to be very careful when I'm handling God's word. Because here's what I know. You guys, you guys may criticize me and judge me, and that's fine. God bless you. But God is gonna judge me. And he's gonna do that whole thing, Patrick. Right, that's what moms do. Why, do. why do parents always get formal when you're in trouble? Like all my life, it's Pat till I'm in trouble. And it's Patrick. And God's gonna say, Patrick, how did you handle my word with your mouth? And all of us, listen, we have responsibilities. And we need to know that there's gonna come a time where we go before the beam of seat of Christ. And he says, listen, man, if you're speaking, you need to understand you're representing God with what you say. And sometimes, listen, sometimes for me, I have a hard time because I know who I am. And some people, listen, I know sometimes I talk to people and they go, you are so intimidating. Oh, if you only knew. If you only knew who was in here. Like I know the guy in here and he's not very intimidating. I wouldn't be intimidated by him. But I get it, right? But I'm responsible for what I say. And so if we have that speaking gift, no matter what it is, we're responsible. I think of, I think of today in our generation, in our culture, we have a lot of people putting music out. They're a mouthpiece for God. They're responsible for those lyrics and those words. And they're gonna give an account for them. And, you know, that's just one aspect. Maybe you're teaching kids, are you taking it serious? You're a mouthpiece for God. So we could go on. And then he says this, listen. And then he says, as those who, and, and he goes, if anyone serves or ministers, if you're that servant, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. So here's what he's saying. You gotta do that. Listen, nothing could be worse than somebody serving, grumbling about it. I hate this. I always encourage our staff and us as a church, we get to do the things that we do for the Lord. It's a privilege and it's an honor and we get to do them and we do them. And again, no matter what it is you're doing, maybe you're cleaning toilets, I get to do that for Jesus. And that can be in the fellowship, that can be in the home. You get to represent God and you do it, listen, you do it with the ability God has given you. And I'm a firm believer, if we're serving God in the spirit where he wants us and we're in that place he wants us, I'm not a believer in burnout. 
I think you burn out when you're out of the will of God or you're doing what you're doing in the flesh. If you're walking in the spirit, doing it in the spirit, where God wants you, I don't think you burn out. And I think of examples that, you know, just in our lifetime, examples. I think of people like Chuck Smith. I think of people Chuck Swindoll. Is that guy ever gonna stop? He's like the Energizer Bunny, huh? And you think of those people and, and you look at them, they're not, why, why aren't they burned out? Because they're doing what they're doing in the spirit. And so he says, do it with God's ability. Again, no matter what it is, but I think especially in serving, we need to do it with God's ability. Now check this out. So he says, if you're speaking, you're speaking the oracles of God. If you're serving, you're serving with the ability God supplies that in all things, are you ready? In all things, God may be glorified. Oh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Not for the glory of Pat, not even for the glory of Calvary Chapel. I'm doing it for the glory of God. And we constantly need to be pushing people towards God. And listen, people may say, hey, you did a really great job, and that's okay. You can say, you know what, thank you very much, but you know, God gave me the ability to do this. I, I think it's kind of weird when people give you a compliment and you go, oh no, I'm so humble. Don't do that, please. Here's what you're saying, bring it more, a little bit more. Right, when you're doing that. Listen to this, somebody gives you a compliment, thank them. Say thank you, thank you. And then say, you know what, but God has given me the ability to do this. And let's praise him, right? Give him the glory. So you do it so you're glorifying God. And, and again, I think that's a lesson for our culture and, and our generation, that in all things that he may be glorified, oh, through Jesus Christ. Oh, it's because of Jesus that I'm able to do this because he rose from the dead on the third day, and then you get into the whole thing, right? To whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. For how long? Forever and ever. To him, listen, and once you elevate him and make sure he gets all the glory and he's honored, serving him becomes so easy. Because here's the thing, saints. You're not doing, for, doing what you're doing so you will be recognized and you get the glory. You're doing it so he will get the glory, which takes all the pressure off of you. Here's what I found. Man, if I'm wanting to glorify God and I let God get the glory, I'm not worried about what you think about me too much. And we, all, we all have a little bit of that, right? But listen, my main thing is I want God to get the glory. I'm not, listen, I don't, I don't come and teach and do this so that people will say, oh, that's great. I do it so they'll say, God is great. God is good. And God gets the glory. And so if I'm not doing it for my own self, I'm doing it for him, it takes pressure off of me in some ways. It puts more on in other ways. But you get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to work in such a way someone gets coffee over here. So I'm not trying to work in such a way. We'll ignore it for a minute. Don't look over there. Look over here. Don't be rude. You're supposed to be hospitable. You're supposed to love one another, right? With fervent love, man. Don't be, don't be doing that stuff. But if we take the pressure off of trying to impress people about us, it gets easier. Why? Because it's pretty easy to glorify someone who's worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor. So what's Peter saying? The end is near. The end is at hand. How are we living life? 
hey, I think life's kind of hard right now. Some difficult things going on. And I think it's going to get difficulter. Right? It's going to get rougher. I'm not seeing a, you know, a rosy future going on, except when I look to him. And then I see a bright future. So the end is at hand. So because I know that, I'm going to be a little bit more diligent in my prayer life. I'm going to be way more diligent in loving my brothers and sisters and making sure they're okay. I'm going to be somebody who I am going to use the gift that God has given me with all of my strength so that he gets the glory, so that he gets the honor. And then when he shows up, I'm going to be, yes! I don't want to be that person that goes, oh, no. (laughs) Not today. I want to be joyous when Jesus shows up. I want to be that person that that just, there's not a great change. I just shift from walking by faith to walking by sight. And that's what he calls us to. So Peter, hey, Peter knows failure. And some of us in this room, we know failure. We know when we haven't done what we're supposed to be doing. We know when we blow it. And here's the thing, don't let that pull you down. Let that be a motivation for the future. If anybody could sit and sulk about his past, it would be this guy. But what's he doing? He's encouraging us to go forward. So let's go forward. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as I think about what you wrote here and and just the challenge for our lives, I thank you, God. I thank you that we can read this and, and look at it. And Lord, every aspect in this, just this little short section, every aspect is something that I think we all need to measure in our lives. We can, we can all definitely be a little bit more sober and diligent in our prayer life. There's room to grow in, quote, our love life for one another. Definitely we can do that. And we can understand and we can, we can move in that direction. We can be a little bit more hospitable towards one another. Again, that's not just taking people in. That's just being hospitable. Being kind to one another, caring about one another. We can be people who, God, we're gonna use what you've given us. It might be a serving gift. It might be a speaking gift. But we're gonna find out, God, and we're gonna use it to the the nth degree that you've given us. And we're gonna be those people who we bring you glory that as others observe what we do, that it'll make them draw closer to you and fall more in love with you. Thank you, Jesus, for the challenge that Peter gives us. And I think it comes from a place in his life where he was challenged and he looked back and he knew where he blew it and he just encourages us to go forward and to be strong. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in the attitude of prayer for just a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight, and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never asked him to forgive your sins. Tonight is the night. Maybe somebody invited you, and and you came with them, and you're like a little bit, like right now, you're feeling a little awkward. That's because he's speaking to you. Tonight is the night of salvation. Or maybe you just dropped in, trying to figure out what's going on here. 
God is speaking to you. So I want to just challenge you. If, I, if right now, man, if, if the Lord is, is like speaking to you and you're in that place, just listen for a moment. God is giving you the opportunity for your life to be changed forever. All you have to do, and it's kind of simple, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. Let God know that tonight you want to be saved. Let him know that right now you want him to come into your life. Here's what you need to do. You just gotta be honest. You gotta tell God tonight that you know that you're a sinner. It's not for his information. It's so you come to that place where you're humble. Tonight you know you're a sinner. You know you've sinned against God. You know you've offended him. And that you're seeking his forgiveness. You understand that by your sinning, you have earned the wages you've earned are the eternal wrath of God. That means forever. That's scary. The good news is Jesus Christ came on the cross, took the wrath that you deserve, the wrath that I deserve, took it upon himself and paid that penalty. And now tonight, he allows you to receive that forgiveness. All you have to do is ask him for it. Let him know. And so we're gonna say a prayer here in a moment. And call on the name of the Lord. Say this prayer with me and you will never be the same. Your life will be changed. If you're backslidden, maybe you came to church tonight for the first time in a long time and God spoke to you, say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, right at home, you can say the prayer. You don't have to be in here. And you can say this out loud or you can say it silently. Volume doesn't matter. What matters is your heart. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And tonight I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.